All right, guys, welcome back to our teaching in the book of Matthew. Now, the last time we were here, we completed the sections of chapters 21, 22 and 23, which dealt with the theme of number one, the presentation of the king. We saw that earlier in chapter 21 and then in 21 and especially chapters 22, we saw what is the presentation of the lamb or the testing of the lamb which is the fulfillment of Exodus chapter 12, as Moses directed the leaders of the people to test the lamb for blemishes, as Jesus himself was tested by the religious leaders of his time uh, for to be a lamb without spot and blemish. And then after the questioning of the leaders to Jesus, Jesus turned and began to question and condemned the leadership. And this is what we see in chapter 23, and what we usually call the seven woes to the Pharisees and the scribes who were the religious teachers of that particular day. And the whole issue dealt with the absolute rejection of those religious leaders of Jesus's messianic claims, which led to the destruction or as Jesus pronounced a desolation on Jerusalem, the destruction of Jerusalem. And this is the overriding thought that we have to understand in the book of Matthew, as we do understand that in the gospels, all four gospels, each have a certain presentation or theme in which they are trying to present. And Matthew, of course, is sticking with his theme because his direct, his theme, his overall theme is being directed to the Jewish people and is dealing with the destruction of the Jerusalem temple. And, and this is because of the rejection of Jesus. But nevertheless, Chapter 23 dealt with Jesus's denunciation of those leaders and the destruction that Jesus prophesied, which would come in 70 AD by Rome, Titus, because of their rejection of Jesus. And he left them in saying that they would not see him again until they recognize and accept him as their true Messiah. And this ends chapter 23. Now we move into another section. Chapters 24 and 25 are predominantly prophetic sections in which Jesus is dealing primarily with his return. He, so he looks at, we understand that from the perspective of Jesus, this would be a long time into the future. And he begins to deal with the issues that would be surrounding the com his coming, his return and the setting up of the kingdom. Now, before we get into chapters 24, because remember chapter 24 and 25, basically a section together after 25, 26 and thereafter, we will deal with the crucifixion of Jesus and his resurrection from the dead. But for warning, as we get into this deeply prophetic section, 24 and 25, we cannot, in order to deal with Matthew as a whole, we cannot deal with all of the details the intricacies and all of the varied prophetic fulfillment that will be involved in Jesus's words. So as Jesus is giving a general and overall picture of these things, I'm going to uh, relegate my own self and this, these teachings to deal with these things. So we won't get into all of the details because those things can be separate individual studies 
in and of themselves and they would take a great deal of time. And then you'll find that it will be pieces together from all parts of the scriptures, even the Psalms, the prophets, even uh, the New Testament, Paul's teaching, the book of Revelation, especially that particular book. It would have to bring in all of those particular sections to literally uh, envelop the things that Jesus is talking about. So we can't do that here. But what we will do is develop an overall picture that should give you a basic foundation and some clarity to what Jesus is talking about. Okay. All right. With that, we get into chapter 24. Jesus came out from the temple and was going away when his disciples came up to point out the temple buildings to him. And he said to them, do you not see all these things? Truly, I say to you, not one stone here will be left on top of another, which will not be torn down. As he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things happen and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, see to it that no one misleads you for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will mislead many. You will hear of, you will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened for those things must take place but the end is not yet, but that is not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and in various places there will be famines and earthquakes. But all these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. Then they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you, and you will be hated by all nations because of my name. At that time, many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and will mislead many. Because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. Okay, so now as we move into chapter 24, what you have to see is Jesus just pronounced at, at the very end of chapter 23, judgment upon Jerusalem. So, and remember the whole mindset, if you've been following the teachings of the disciples is they continue to expect Jesus to set up the kingdom. They did not understand at this time that the kingdom was still yet to come many days from hence. Okay. So they didn't understand these things, but nevertheless, in a sense of confusion as they were departing from the temple, because remember it was in the temple that Jesus questioned by the religious leaders and Jesus turns around and condemns her questioned by the religious leaders. Chapters 21, 22, Jesus condemns the religious leaders, chapter 23, and speaks of the desolation of Jerusalem, the very end of chapter 23. So in a sense, you can see the disciples having uh, concern for Jesus' words since he's talking about the destruction of Jerusalem. They kind of want to soften it and they 
tell Jesus to try to direct his attention to the temple, the temple that Herod had began to build in order to query favor with the Jewish people. And Herod has spent a great deal of money and time in the building of the Jewish temple. So they turn Jesus attention to the temple to try to, to admire the temple buildings. In other words, kind of like a Jeremiah seven situations, which I cannot get into. I almost hate. I opened that particular door, but they turned his attention and began to admire it. And as Jesus looked at the temple buildings, he gave them a drastic prophecy and simply said, not one stone will be left on top of another continuing his idea for the destruction of Jerusalem. So as they were returning to Bethany, going back to Bethany, because remember, Jesus never spent the night in Jerusalem at that final time. So as they're returning back to Bethany through way of the Mount of Olives, they stopped there and the disciples asked Jesus a question since Jesus talked about the destruction of the temple. And we know there were basically four disciples, according to, I believe it was the book of Mark, uh, Peter, James, John, and Andrew, and asked Jesus uh, here as Matthew delineates it for us in two questions. And so he asked them, uh, tell us when will these things happen? Question number one. Question number two, what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? That's not three questions that are just two. When will these things happen? The destruction of Jerusalem, the sign of the, your coming and the end of the age, the sign when Jesus will set up his what we call the millennial kingdom. OK, so the time of we we I'm slowing it down a little bit. We understand that in our time, as we will refer to it as the second advent or the second coming of Jesus. This is not the rapture. This is not the rapture of the church. This is the setting up of the kingdom, which occurs after the rapture of the church. So there are two questions that they basically ask. And this is what Matthew is including for us here because his concentration predominantly is upon Jerusalem and the kingdom, the Jewishness of Matthew's gospel. Okay. And so Jesus answers both of these questions. When will these things be? And so he gives a general answer to these things. And so notice what he says. He talks about that there will be many who come and attempt to mislead them. Of course, the idea is false Christ and false apostles. Many saying that they are the Christ. Many men will come. Now, the way you have to understand it is this down through the ages. This is how Jesus is saying it. There will be men coming who will proclaim to be the coming one, the one, or as we have it simply here, the Christ, and what will happen? They will have a certain degree of effectiveness. They will mislead many. And so he continues on to talk about the coming of that particular time. Because remember, we're answering the question, when will these things be? What does he say? You will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. But notice, war and rumors of wars 
within themselves are not a sign of the end. Notice he says you will be hearing because what? The end is not yet. That is the time for the coming of Jesus and the setting up of the kingdom is still not yet just because you are hearing of wars and rumors of wars. So he continues to develop that thought with saying what? Nation rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom, earthquakes and famine. The idea that Jesus is talking about seems to suggest here is an increasing crescendo of these things, of wars and rumors of wars and great wars taking place, earthquakes, great earthquakes taking place as we come closer and closer to the end. And notice what he says. All these things are merely the beginnings of birth pains. So let me deal with it. So just because you see these things taking place, these things happening, wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes, famines, and things of that nature. These things do not suggest, oh man, when you see this, this means that this is the end. No, Jesus says these things simply signify the beginning, but notice what he also calls it, birth pains. Now that is a, a, a unusual way to describe it in this sense, because Think of it as a pregnant woman. Jesus is styling the end of all things as the giving of birth, the giving of birth. But before a woman actually gives birth, she has birth pains. Now, even though these birth pains themselves does not indicate it's time to have the baby, that's not what it means because these birth pains can precede birth a month, two months, sometimes three months, okay? But the point is, it just simply is an indicator that the end is drawing near, but it is not at hand. And remember the question, you have to keep it in mind. What will be the sign for the end? What will be the sign when all these things have happened and finally sign of your coming? So, but let's keep going. So this is the beginning. What happens? Notice the crescendo now with the birth pains. The birth pains is literally the time of the tribulation. Okay, and you have to understand that. This is why I said to you guys earlier, you can't get into all of the varied details of these things. The tribulation simply are, simply is the final seven years, final seven years, as spoken by the book of Daniel in what is called that final 70th week of Daniel, because Daniel nine speaks of 70 weeks until the coming establishment of the kingdom of the Messiah. Okay. In that final 70th week, one week, uh, seven days, indication of seven years. The tribulation will last seven years. The tribulation will be these birth pains. So this is the final time. During the tribulation, the end of the, that time, here is where Jesus continues to say, then, then they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you and you will be hated by all nations because of my name. Now, 
we have to keep in mind predominantly Matthew's mind is upon the Jewish people. We know according to Revelation chapter 13, there will be worldwide persecution of God's people all over the world, Jew as well as Gentile. But the primary thought in Matthew's mind is dealing with the Jews and the Jewish kingdom. Okay, so <clears throat> he is directing his words here to dealing with the persecution of the Jewish people. This is what we see even in Revelation chapter 12 that's talking about the great persecution of the Jewish people that will be taking place during the tribulation. That is, this is the time period, the final seven years before the second advent, the physical return of Jesus, the Jewish people will be sought by the Antichrist in order to put them all to death. The Antichrist will try to eliminate every Jew on the planet. And this is what Jesus is talking about. They will deliver you to great tribulation. You will be hated by the nations. That is the Gentile nations will turn against the Jewish people because of their Jewishness, especially because, <clears throat> or should I even say, especially those Jewish believers in Jesus at that time. Okay. And then he talks about what will be the fallout during the great tribulation. Many will fall away and betray one another. So there will be a great departure of that social fabric that is main, that has been maintained by the Jewish people for, for generations, the closeness that the Jewish family has had, the closeness that the Jewish people have had with their fidelity towards one another because of this great persecution. So what happens? Some Jews will betray other Jews and deliver them to death during the tribulation. Also during this time, what does he say? And you can understand because of the desire for hope, and the desire for deliverance, it would allow the people to be made a prey of. What does Jesus say? Many false prophets will arise. Many people arising with false prophecies, trying to give people hope, but there will be no hope during this time of persecution. It will be a time of what? Lawlessness. And we can even see that now. I'm not going to get into that discussion now because, as I just said, it's a it's a beautiful thing. You can talk about this to a great extent, but let's just stay with Matthew. Lawlessness, people doing things, people not fearing judgment, judgment in the law itself. He's not talking about lawlessness against the law of Moses. He's talking about worldwide lawlessness, even the lawlessness that we see in the rampaging in our cities today, the destruction, the killing, the thefts, all of this crap, lawlessness increases. And so what? The love of people will grow cold. People's loyalty to one another will not be the same anymore because lawlessness is just rampant. But he gives a word of encouragement, but the one that endures to the end will be saved. The word of encouragement is simply persevere. 
and in persevering, you will save your soul. Now you may not live through these things. Let me say that part again. You may not live through the great tribulation, but even though you may die in the great tribulation, you will preserve your soul if you remain faithful to the Lord Jesus. Because what? Of course, he's going to restore your life. Revelation, wipe all the tears away from the eye. They'll have eternal life with God. But we're not going to get in all of that. But he's simply saying he's simply encouraging them persevere under all of this threat that will be taking place during this time. And finally, he says, and it will be the gospel that will finally be preached unto all the nations. That is unto all the Gentile nations for a testimony. It will be during the tribulation. And that is Revelation chapter six and Revelation seven. Again, you can't get into the details with the sealing of the 144,000 Jewish men who will become evangelists. And these 144,000 Jewish men will take the gospel of Jesus to all parts, to every part of the nation during the tribulation period. These 144,000 cannot be killed during the tribulation. They will have a unique purpose and function of God to carry the gospel to the whole world during that time. And it will be after that particular time, which is after the tribulation, that we will see the return of Jesus. So what do we just see in this particular section to make this? It's not too difficult with the exception of so many prophecies that are involved. They asked two, two questions. When will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Okay. So he gave them a general picture, simply saying that as we come toward the time for the end, there will be wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes, famines. All of these things will be building up unto the point when what? the tribulation begins. When the tribulation begins, that is the trigger. What happens during the tribulation, which is those seven years spoken of by Daniel chapter nine. What happens? Hot and great persecution upon the Jewish people. Many of them will be killed. They will begin to betray one another worldwide lawlessness will be, will, will, will take place and the loyalty and family devotion that the Jews normally have will disintegrate because of this great persecution. And finally, he simply tells them, but be encouraged. Or in other words, if I were to say it in my way, Hold on, because if you continue to hold on to your faith in Jesus, you will preserve your soul. God will make everything all right. He'll restore your soul. There will be a resurrection of the dead. If you yourself should die, you will be resurrected at the return of Jesus. Okay, but without getting to all of that. And then finally, he simply says the gospel will be preached all over the world. 
And this is something that we don't understand today. We think that the gospel has permeated every place in the world. It has not. There are still places where people have never heard the gospel. It will be during this time that those 144,000 Jewish men will fulfill their ultimate purpose that God gave them. We see this in Exodus chapter 19, the purpose that God gave the Israeli nation to be a light unto the Gentiles. They will fulfill that and carry the gospel. And it is then after this has taken place at the end of the tribulation that we will see the return of Jesus. So that's in a nutshell, the generalized answer that Jesus gave them at that particular point. Okay. Now Jesus began to answer the second part of that question. Remember the second part of the question was what will be the sign? What is the sign that you are about to come and set up the kingdom, the end of this age. The end of the age simply means the end of the times of the Gentiles when Jesus sets up his kingdom. So the second question Jesus now will begin to answer the sign. What thing will point to these events about to happen? 15. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of through Daniel, the prophet standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. Then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains. Whoever is on the housetop must not go down to get the things that are in his house. Whoever is in the field must not turn back to get his cloak. But woe to those who are pregnant and those who are nursing babies in those days. But pray that your flight will not be in the winter or on a Sabbath, for then there will be a great tribulation such as has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will. Unless those days have been cut short, no life would have been saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Okay, so now Jesus gives them a definite marker that points to the end. First, he spoke, as we just did earlier, in the general case, wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes, famines, things of this nature. But remember what he said. This is still not the end. These things must do what? Come before the end. They asked him, give us a sign that will let us know when you are near to come and set up the kingdom. Now the sign is the abomination of desolation. That's what he speaks of in verse 15. Again, referring to Daniel chapter nine, the abomination of desolation is this is an event that takes place in what we call mid tribulation. Remember, the tribulation period will be for seven years. This is what that 70th, that final week, final seven years of Daniel mid part of that. Okay. 
It is in the beginning of the week, the first part of the seven years. The tribulation period will be noted and triggered by the Antichrist making a peace treaty with the leaders of the Jewish people, giving them a security of peace, making a peace treaty for seven years. This is what begins the final 70th week of Daniel. When that treaty is signed, the clock begins. Midway, that is three and a half years after the Antichrist signs the treaty with the Jewish people, he will break that treaty. And this is when he will enter in because it will be at that time there will be a new temple built in Jerusalem at that time. There will be a new temple built. The Antichrist will enter into the new temple, declare himself to be God, and he will cause an image of himself. We see this in Revelation chapter 13, where the false prophet to the beast, remember the beast in Revelation 13 is the Antichrist. The false prophet to the beast is the one who will erect an image of the Antichrist, place it in the temple and cause that image to begin to speak. He will give life to that image, cause the image to speak, demand for the whole world to worship the Antichrist and in doing so by the Antichrist violating the temple in this way, he will deconsecrate the temple. And therefore, he, this is what is called the abomination that makes desolate. <clears throat> when the Antichrist desecrates the temple in this fashion during the mid part, it is the mid part of the tribulation, the final three and a half years, which is referred to as the great tribulation. And this is what Jesus was referring to in the time when he says, when they was, you will be hated by all the Gentile nations because of me. This will be the time when the antichrist will seek to kill all the Jewish people. Okay. And that's why Jesus began to say, when you see this happen, the antichrist enter into the temple and desecrate the temple in this way, this is the fulfillment that what was spoken by Daniel, the prophet, the persecution of the Jews is on like never before. And I cannot emphasize this enough. That's why Jesus emphasized it to the degree that he did. What did he say? If you're in Judea, flee to the mountains. And I'll just simply say that's that's when in the end, the Jews will come together and flee to a place called Petra to the mountains of Petra. Of course, we don't have time to get into all of the details, but this is the place that they will flee from the Antichrist for their lives in following the directions of Jesus. Let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. But Jesus is giving the urgency because the Antichrist will be hotly pursuing the Jews to put them all to death. He says what? 
if you're on the housetop, don't go down into the house. In other words, run for your life, for your lives. When you see the Antichrist desecrate the temple, you don't have time to pack. You don't have time to go and get anything. You don't have time to get food. Run, run, run. Because why? He will send his soldiers out to get you, to take you and kill you. That's why he said, run to the mountains. If you're on the housetop, don't go in your house. If you're in the field and say for you say, well, I don't have any clothes. Don't go back home to get clothes. Why? Run, 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 because they're after you now and they will kill you. And if you go back, they will catch you and put you to death. And that's what he's saying. It would be a time of persecution upon the Jewish people that the world has never seen before. So he continues on verse 19. That's why he says, if you are pregnant, why? Because pregnant women find it hard to run, find it hard to travel and nursing. And if you got a small baby, it's hard to run and travel because you got a small baby. Then he says, pray that your flight, pray that you don't have to run and escape. That's what he mean by flight. Be not in the winter. Why did he say in the winter? Because in Israel, the winter months is the rainy season. And that's when the roads can quickly become flooded with water. They're called wadis. They're called wadis. So in the wintertime in Israel, that is when it rains a lot and the rain could come so hard and so fast that it could flood out the roads. If the roads are flooded, the people cannot travel well. They cannot run. That's why he said, pray that it doesn't happen. That is the persecution. That is the abomination of Daniel. Doesn't happen in the winter. It's hard to travel. Then he says, neither on a Sabbath day. Why? Even today, all public transportation in Israel is are closed on the Sabbath day. Even today, if you would go to Israel and go on the Sabbath day, no public transportation. Now do you understand it? Jesus say, run, run, run. But if it's wintertime, roads get flooded. Oh my God, hard to run. If it's Sabbath day, oh my God, no public transport. Pray that you don't have nursing babies and you're not pregnant. Oh my God, it's hard to run. Things that would make it so difficult to escape. And Jesus said, he said, well, Jesus, why are you so adamant and in a panic mode about this running? Verse number 21, he says, because it will be at that time a great tribulation that has never occurred since the world has ever began and never will be again. You have to feel the impact of what Jesus is trying to say. The tribulation upon the Jewish, specifically the Jewish people. Now, there will be a worldwide tribulation in other things and even upon all the saints of God, Jew as well as Gentile. But especially even as Matthew is dealing with here. Remember, Matthew is Jewish from the Jewish perspective. World War II, the mess that Hitler did, 
at Auschwitz and the killing of the Jews is nothing to be compared to what the Antichrist will try to do to the Jew. Will do, will do to the Jew in his days. And that's what Jesus is trying to say. It will be unimaginable the destruction that this man and even Gentile nations joining with him will bring upon the Jewish people. They have never ever experienced this type of persecution. And Jesus said, never will be. In other words, it would be a point in history so bad never to be experienced again. And so then he begins to talk even more so concerning those days. How bad will it be? He said, unless those days were cut short, that is, unless that period of time was short, was, was more than what it was, no person could survive it, specifically the Jews. Un remember, that time, the Great Tribulation, is a period of three and a half years that is considered to be a short period of time. If the time were to go past that, they could not survive it because the persecution was so great. But Jesus simply says, all, all he's trying to do is let you see how awful that period will be for the Jewish people. But once again, not only for the Jewish people, but for all who believe in Jesus at that particular time, it will be an awful time for all of God's people. And that's the point that Jesus is trying to make. So therefore, for the elect's sake, mainly, primarily the concentration, the Jews, but also inclusive of all the saints, but the Jews, but for the elect's sake, so that they all will not suffer unto literal physical death at this particular time. God shortens that period of suffering to three and a half years, okay? So now he answered, and this is not the end of the answer. Now he has answered the beginning of that answer of the second question. What is the sign that indicates you are soon to come and the end of the age set up the kingdom? What is that sign? The abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel, the prophet. When the Antichrist enters into the new temple, temple that will be built, and this is October 2022, the Jewish temple has not been built at this time. In the future, there will be a new Jewish temple, a third temple. He will enter that temple. He will uh, claim himself to be God desecrate the temple and this will begin the great tribulation. He does this three and a half years after he makes a treaty with the Jewish people, the antichrist. Okay. Now let's continue with Jesus prophetic words. Verse number 23. Then if anyone says to you, behold, here is the Christ or there he is, do not believe him for false Christ and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders so as to, to mislead if possible, even the elect behold, I have told you in advance. So if they say to you, behold, he is in the wilderness, do not go out or behold, he is in the inner rooms. 
do not believe them. For just as the lightning comes from the east and flashes even to the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. Oh, I like that. Now let's talk about that. So let's go, let's stay into the tribulation. Let's stay into the great tribulation, the great persecution of the Jews. So he says, you can imagine people wanting hope and people wanting most of all deliverance from the great persecution of the Antichrist. So there will be men who will arise giving false hope. What does he say? False Christ and even false apostles. False Christ meaning false messiahs. False prophets meaning people coming, trying to act as if they're some kind of prophet. Okay, might as well say it. First of all, let me say two things on that. The uh, uh, climax of false prophets will be the false prophet. That's the false prophet of the second half of Revelation chapter 13. That is the false prophet to the beast. Okay, the false prophet to the beast. He will be the false prophet. He is the epitome of all of the false prophets. Okay, Jesus saying there are going to be many, but there will be one in particular. Revelation is mid part of it. The second part of Revelation 13, the one who causes the world to receive the mark of the beast, the one who causes the world to worship the beast as well as his image. He is the epitomization of the false prophet. Then he also speaks of false messiahs, false Christ. The epitome of the false Christ will be the antichrist himself. And notice what he says during this time, it will become again an age of wonders. And what I mean by that is notice what Jesus said. They will be able to show signs. We see this in the first part of Revelation 13 in talking about the beast. The beast is the Antichrist. And they say, who is likened unto the beast whose deadly wound was healed? In other words, it will be the Antichrist, the epitome of the false Christ, false Messiah, who will have powers, these powers. Again, I'm in Revelation 13. Of course, I can't teach all of that. That's what I was telling you guys earlier again and again. The re in Revelation 13, the Antichrist, who is literally the son of Satan to fulfill Genesis 3 and 15, the seed of the serpent. The serpent is Satan. To have a seed is to have a son. Just like you have seed of a woman, literal, physical seed. Jesus is seed of a woman. He is the seed of Mary. Mary, just like Satan will have a seed. Seed of a woman, seed of a serpent. The Antichrist will be the son of Satan. And as God empowered God, the father empowered his son, Jesus of Nazareth, Satan will empower his son, the Antichrist. He will give him. That's what we see in Revelation 13. I can't get into it where the Bible says, and the dragon gave him his power and his authority. 
Satan will give the, uh, the Antichrist both his, his, Satan's power and Satan's authority over the world. And this will enable the Antichrist to do miraculous things, miraculous things. That's why Jesus said that the Antichrist will be able to do such miraculous thing. He will almost, if it were possible, convince the elect that he is the Messiah, the true Messiah. But of course he will not. No true Christian will ever follow the Antichrist. That's why Jesus says it's not possible, but he is saying the Antichrist will be able to do things to the magnitude. It will almost be believable. So the Antichrist, like Jesus, we see in the gospel did such miraculous things. He will do miraculous things too. And that's why I say to you, I said to you, the time for signs and wonders will return in that day. And it will be done specifically by the Antichrist and his false prophet at that time. But anyway, so people are looking for deliverance. You can imagine the Jewish people, they're looking for deliverance. And Jesus simply says, there are going to be so many people teaching all these things. Simply do not believe them. And that's why he says, behold, I have told you in advance. I cannot stress that enough. When we see these things, Never believe these things, these false prophets, these jack leg preachers don't fall for it. What is Jesus saying? I have told you they are going to do these things in advance. When we see persecution beginning to happen, what should we say? Jesus said, behold, I've told you in advance. When we see Christianity in America coming under greater and greater attack, what can we say? Jesus said, behold, I have told you in advance. Don't be moved. Why? All these things must be. The persecution must come. The persecution, we know Matthew is dealing with Jewish people, but also we understand it envelops all of God's people, all of the elect. God, Jesus has told us in advance. So don't be moved when these things happen. Hold on to your faith. What did Jesus say? But he who endures to the end will save his soul. Even if you suffer, what did Jesus say? Be thou faithful unto death and then I'll give you the crown of life. But so behold, I've told you in advance. But anyway, Let's go back to the text because it's long and I don't want to make it no longer than it needs to be. So the point is they're looking for some deliverance. You got false prophets and false Christ saying this and saying that people are saying I'm the Christ. Is he truly the Christ? So notice Jesus began to say, so if you hear somebody say he's in the wilderness or even in the inner room, in other words, you know, I believe that the, the Messiah is in this particular place, some unknown place in the wilderness or in this unknown place in an inner room. That's what it means in a place that nobody has never heard. I believe that the Messiah is at this place is not known by everybody. Jesus said, that's a lie concerning me. Why? Notice for just as the lightning goes from the east to the west, when the lightning strikes, Notice from the east, from one part of the sky 
to the next part of the side of next part of the sky. Who saw that? Everybody saw that same will be for me. That's what Jesus is trying to say. I'm not going to be in some hidden place. When I come, everybody's going to know when I come, just like everybody can see the lightning. It ain't no, it's not in the secret place or in this part of the wilderness. It's seen and known by all. And so will my return. It will be seen and known by everybody. Everybody in the world will know Jesus is now coming back. It's no secret. And that's what he means by that. And then he gives that cryptic statement in verse number 28, where the corpse is, the vulture will gather. In other words, <clears throat> how do you know the Lord has come back? There will be bodies, dead bodies, and vultures eating those dead bodies. Now, once again, without getting into all of the details, we can see a fulfillment. Ezekiel, what is it, 39, Isaiah 34, especially Isaiah 34, Isaiah 63, which deals with the second advent, the return of the Messiah in war. Revelation chapter 19, the war of Armageddon. When the Gentile armies have gathered together to destroy the Jewish people, Jesus comes from heaven to deliver them. They begin to try to destroy Jesus and Jesus destroys the armies of the unbelieving Gentile nations. Revelation 19, Isaiah 34, Isaiah 63. This is when the Lord talks about his return and how he has soaked his garments in blood as he has destroyed his enemies in the killing. Let me slow it down. <laughs> when Jesus returns, he returns in war. He returns in battle. He literally physically kills armies and armies of men. That's why I said there'll be bloodshed up to the horse's belly. He kills thousands upon thousands of people. And imagine with all of those dead bodies out there, what happens when, bir when birds and vultures see those dead bodies? They simply begin to gather together and pick the meat from the dead bodies. Wherever the bodies are, the vultures will gather. The vultures have gathered there as a sign that Jesus has simply come and destroyed those armies. In other words, Jesus will not come in some hidden place only known by a few. No, he's coming and everybody will know it like the lightning flashes across the sky where everybody can see it. He is coming in a grand re-entrance into the world to fight the battle of Armageddon. He is coming and will kill and slaughter untold thousands of men in war and there will be a great picking of those dead bodies by vultures. This will not be something done in a corner. The coming of Jesus will be known by the whole wide world. <laughs> I like that. So what is the sign of your coming and the end of the age? The sign is what? Once again, the breaking of that treaty during the mid 
tribulation, the abomination of desolation, the desecration of the temple by the Antichrist, Revelation chapter 13. And then finally, Jesus returns where the whole world is able to see him. But let's continue on as Jesus finishes this section that talks about what happens immediately after he returns. But let's go on. 29. But immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give his light and the stars will fall from the sky and the powers of heaven will be shaken. And then the sign of the son of man will appear in the sky and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the son of man coming in the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will send forth his angels with great trumpet and they will gather together his elect from the four winds and from one end of the sky to the other. Okay. Now let's talk about that. So basically what he's saying, he, he's just bringing it all together in the full picture of his second coming. And so after the tribulation of, after the coming of Jesus, we, we just talked about the great war that will take place when Jesus comes back to destroy the enemies in Armageddon. Here he begins to talk about the salvation of the Jewish people. Remember those Jewish people who were sought by the antichrist for the destruction of their lives. What happens? He talked about there will be uh, cosmic events the sun will be dark. And I think it's like the third or fourth time that the sun will be darkened during the tribulation period. But nevertheless, this is after that. This is the return of Jesus. Sun is darkened. The moon is not shining or whatever. And there is a great meteor shower. So there's great uh, cosmic activities that go along with the return of Jesus. And then the, all of the world see Jesus returning back to the earth, riding on that white horse that he's just talking about the sign of the son of man and what all the tribes of the earth mourning because of him. They're mourning because they know he is returning in judgment and all of the world will be able to see Jesus. Why? television, satellite TV. <laughs> so everybody will be able to see Jesus return. He returns in the, on the clouds with great power and great glory. Remember what the, it is that what the angel said in Acts, this same Jesus, you see him as you see him come leave, you will see him return. Jesus will caught up with the cloud. Jesus will return on the cloud with power and great glory. And I like that too, because what Jesus returns in a different way than he came the first time. The first time he came as a meek and humble lamb born in a stable cave to the poor parents, Mary and Joseph. The second time he returns as the son of God with power and glory to judge his enemies and even you might find it to be tough and even to sentence them to death. And now you wait until we get into chapter 25 and Jesus is going to talk about sending people, sentencing people immediately to death and then turn around. As soon as he kills them, he sends them immediately to hell after that. But we're not there yet, but nevertheless. So he talks about his coming. 
It won't be in a wilderness. It won't be in some hidden corner. It will be visible for all to see with great power and great glory. And you will see cosmic and heavenly signs that indicate he is here. You're going to see him on that cloud. And what does he do? The comfort now that he gives to those Jews who have been, whose lives were sought by the Antichrist who is now dead because Jesus kills the Antichrist, Revelation chapter 19. He kills the Antichrist when he comes. And what does he do for those Jews who were scattered into all of the world? He tells his angels to bring the elect. Now the elect here primarily is focused on the Jewish elect. Again, as I've been telling you, there are both Jew and Gentile who are called the elect of God, okay? But that's not the point of Matthew. Matthew is stressing here what becomes of the Jewish people, okay? So we need to stick with that. So the Jews, and here's what we're speaking here of, the second time that the Jews will be gathered into Israel. The first time, that is, as we see the nation of Israel, uh, May, May 1948, becoming a nation. This is the first gathering. They are gathered to Jerusalem, to Israel the first time for judgment. This time would be the second regathering. This time they will be regathered into Israel for blessing and they will be established as a nation and the kingdom will be established. So it is here now with the regathering of the elect. He sent forth his angels to gather together his elect with the sound of that great trumpet where the Jews would be brought in even by Gentiles brought back into Israel for the gathering of the Jewish nation. And Jesus will begin to set up his kingdom after the tribulation. So now he pretty much has dealt with the sign. The first question is, when will all of these things be? He dealt with that in general in the first part of Matthew chapter 24 about all of those things that will precede the tribulation up unto the tribulation period, which would be a period of great persecution for the Jewish people and great disintegration of loyalty for the Jewish family. And then he continues on with what? that particular sign that will show that the time is now coming to an end for the return of Jesus and the setting up of the kingdom. What will that sign be? The great tribulation when the antichrist breaks the treaty mid tribulation, the final three and a half years when the abomination of desolation, that's when Jesus, <laughs> that's when Jesus talks about the desecration of the temple. And it will be that time of hot persecution for the Jewish people, which will lead ultimately to the salvation of the Jewish people. When? When Jesus returns for all to see, not in a corner, not in the wilderness, returning in war where the, where the bodies are, the vultures will be gathered, returning in war and destroying his enemies Finally, gathering all of the Jewish people back unto Israel and the beginning of the setting up of his kingdom. When will all these things be? What? 
will be the sign of your return and the setting up of your kingdom and the end of the age. He has now answered that question. Okay, now let's see if we can finish this thing. 32. Now learn a parable from the fig tree when its branch has already become tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So you too, when you see all these things, recognize that he is near right at the door. Truly I say to you that this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. This concludes this particular section of answering that question. When will all these things be and sign of your coming end of the age slash setting up of the kingdom. Jesus concludes and it simply gives them a parable. He says, take note of the fig tree. You know that when the leaves and the branch are tender, when you see all of this, when you see the fig tree putting forth the leaves, it tells you summer is near in the same way. When you see these things, what things, the things that Jesus specifically is talking about, the abomination of desolation. When you see the sign of Daniel, the Antichrist breaks the peace, the seven year peace treaty mid mid seven years, enter into the temple, desecrate the temple, proclaiming himself to be God, set up an idol in the temple, the persecution of the Jewish people, the fleeing to the mountain. When you see these things, notice what the end is at the door. Three and a half years remain. That's why he said this generation will not pass away. In other words, it will be during the lifetime of the generation of people who see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel. It will be during the lifetime of the people who see the Antichrist coming to the new Jewish temple, the third Jewish temple that is to be built and desecrate the temple by having an image of himself erected in the temple. Those people who see that, those people will, this will be the generation who see, who live to see the return of Jesus. Why? Because three and a half years from the time of the desecration of the temple by the Antichrist, three and a half years later, Jesus will return. Just like Daniel in Daniel chapter nine predicted when he said from the beginning of Jerusalem and the temple, the, the going forth of the commandment for the temple to be built, just like Daniel gave a time frame for the appearance of the first coming of the Messiah. It will be 62 weeks, just like Daniel gave that first timetable for the appearance of the coming of the Messiah. Jesus appeared directly to the day that Daniel prophesied in his coming, in his first coming, in his own presentation, Matthew chapter 21. According to the time set by Daniel, 
Jesus appeared for the first coming, also according to the timetable set, set by Daniel, the final week of Daniel. Jesus will appear for the second time, okay? When, when you see the abomination, when the desecration is done by the Antichrist, happens again, what? Final three and a half years, you will see Jesus return. This generation will not pass away until you see what all things fulfill. What all things fulfill? The sign of Jesus' return and setting up of the kingdom. And Jesus emphasizes it. What? I promise you, heaven and earth will dissolve and cease to exist before what I have just said to you fail to take place. I promise you what I have said will surely take place. And so that ends that particular section. I kind of want to go on about it, but I cannot. I hope you guys understood it. Again, we cannot get into all of the details, but go back and listen to this lesson once again, because it is a lot to digest. Okay. So it is that generation that sees the abomination of desolation, the antichrist come into the temple that will see the return of Jesus. And that's what he's saying. Now those questions, when will these things take place? Sign of your coming. Those questions have been answered. The remainder of this chapter often been confused. Some commentators will tell you that this is talking about the second advent. It is not talking about the second advent. Jesus has now fully and completely answered both questions. When will these things be? One, what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Two, both questions have now been answered. All these things, when you see these things take place, surely heaven and earth will pass away. Generation that see these things, question answered. Verse number 36 is talking about something else. It is not talking about the, the second advent. It is talking about a secret. Jesus now gives them further information about something that they did not ask about. Matthew was concerned about the coming of the setting up of the Jewish kingdom. If you've been following me, you know what I'm talking about. But now Jesus is talking about here, a secret coming, a coming that must precede the second advent, which we refer to as the rapture of the church. First Thessalonians chapter four, when Paul comforts the Thessalonians about the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, voice of an archangel, trump of God, dead in Christ shall rise. Then we who are alive shall be transformed, caught up in the air, in the air and meet Jesus in the air. And that's when we return to heaven to wait out, to wait out the seven year tribulation, Luke 21 and 36. But pray that you be counted worthy to escape what the tribulation 
all these things that are going to come upon the whole world. The whole world faces tribulation. The only way to escape the tribulation is to be taken up out of the tribulation. Okay. So what happens in verse number 36 and under is Jesus now warns them. Number one, I've already told you, I've already given you the signs of my return of the end of the age. But there's going to be something that takes place when there will be no signs. So understand this saints. There is something that will take place. that will be no signs for it, but it would simply come like a thief in the night that has no signs and it will come upon you Be careful that this particular thing does not catch you unaware, does not catch you unprepared. That's why verses 36 and following is talking about the rapture. And let's give a, a, a grammatical thing in verse number 36, where it says, but of, that's what that Greek word is, those two Greek words, Perry day. Now, I don't want to get you guys into a lot of Greek grammatical construction, but you see this same construction being used by Paul, for example, in the book of first Corinthians, Paul would say, but now concerning this period day, but now, and then he'll talk about one particular subject concerning offering unto idols period day, but now concerning the things that you wrote to me. about this, you know, maybe the sexual immorality, Perry Day. Now concerning that, you know, uh, 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 things in the church about the covering of the head, things of that nature. But the whole point is, Paul would use this construction, periphrastic construction. He would use this Perry Day construction to indicate he's moving to a new topic. He's now addressing a new topic here. Matthew is using the Perry day construction to indicate Jesus is moving to a new topic. What new topic? First, he is talking about the second advent, his return and setting up the kingdom. Now he's talking about something other than that. What? Not his return to set up the kingdom, but his return in the air, in the rapture of the church, when it is unknown. Because remember, hold, the whole point is what? He has already given what? What is the sign of your coming? So we can know the sign that you give, give to us that we can know when you're coming back. The whole point of the next section is you don't know these things. So he's not talking about here, the second advent, but the rapture. Why? Because his whole point is going to be over and over again. You didn't know, you didn't know, you didn't know. The whole point of the second advent is the abomination of desolation was the sign. So you would know, so you would know this point. You don't know. That is the rapture. So he is simply saying that I am going to come secretly. 
in a time you don't know in a time when I won't give a sign. So therefore, since you don't know and there won't be a sign when I'm coming in this way, be ready. And this is why we say concerning the church. And this is what we call the rapture of the church, the rapture of both Jew and Gentile believers in this age, age in which we are living right now as of this recording, the church age. Okay. All right. I think you guys get that point. So let's just get into verse number 36 and close this. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the son, but the father alone for the coming of the son of man will be just like the days of Noah. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. So will the coming of the son of man be. There will be two men in the field. One will be taken, one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the meal. One will be taken. One will be left. Okay. So now let's deal with that again. That's why you got to get it. Notice the whole point of the second advent was there would be a sign. The whole point of the rapture is there won't be no sign. That's what he says. But of that day now of Perry day of another day, what? No one knows the hour or the day. There'll be, there won't be any sign given. The rapture can come at any moment. There is absolutely no event that will take place to let you know, oh, the rapture is about to come. When the rapture comes, it will catch everybody unawares. Nobody will expect it. That's what Jesus is saying. And not only that, nobody knows. Only God the Father knows. Jesus says he himself does not know. Without getting into a lot of details, don't be moved because Jesus says he don't know. Remember, when Jesus took the form of a man, Philippians chapter 2, what did he say? Those divine powers, Jesus being God in the very beginning, what did he do? Imagine he did not exercise those powers when he became a man. When he became a man, Jesus self-limited himself. And so being found as a man, he is able to die as a man. As a God, he cannot die. As a man, he can. Jesus limited himself. He limited his divine powers in doing the role of the Messiah. So when Jesus said, even he does not know the day, it doesn't mean that Jesus is not God. It just simply goes to demonstrate his self limiting as a man. Okay. So if Jesus wanted to know if he wanted to exercise divine knowledge, all knowledge, he could know but this would violate the role of coming into the world as a man, as the Messiah. It will violate the role of limiting himself. That's all that's going on when Jesus says that. He doesn't know, Jesus doesn't know that day because it is a function of the Messiah to limit knowledge, 
to limit the exercise of power, to limit his omniscience, his omnipotent to living him being everywhere at the same time. He doesn't do that like that. Okay. As Messiah, that's all that's going on here. But the whole point that Jesus is trying to say is since the rapture is unknown, you should always be prepared for it at any time. That's why he said he gives the example in the next parable. If the, if the, a uh, good men of the house had known when the thief was coming. So, <laughs> okay, I I'm premature. Let me go back here for the coming of the son of man. So he compares, Jesus compares the rapture. So I'm, I'm calming it down. I know this one is taking a little more time and you knew it would too. He compares the rapture to his coming and the days of Noah. The days of Noah was the time when Noah came, okay? And when Noah was sealed, caught up in the boat, caught up like with the saints would be caught up in the rapture, Noah placed in the boat for his own protection, saints caught up and taken to heaven for their own protection, okay? And the, but the rest of the world was doing what? Continuing with life as usual. And that's the point that Jesus is trying to make. And that's the point that I want you guys to get. When the rapture comes, what will the world be doing? They will be continuing life as usual. That's what Jesus says. They were eating, drinking, marrying, and giving into marriage up until Noah entered the ark, right up until the rapture of the church. What will the world be doing? The same thing the world has always been doing. It will be continuing life as usual, marrying, giving into marriage, right up until the point of the rapture, because it will be the rapture that will trigger the judgment that is to come. Why? Remember what I told you, the tribulation comes after the rapture, the time of the persecution, when the world comes, the world will be turned upside down during the tribulation. That's what you see in the book of Revelation, predominant from Revelation chapters four to 19, the whole period of the tribulation, which lasts for seven years. And that's what you see. We can't get into all of the details, the seal judgments, the trumpet judgments, the bowl judgments, all of those things in the book of Revelation where you see the world being torn upside down. The world will be torn apart. The Jews would be persecuted during that time. The saints would be persecuted during that time. The Antichrist will rise to power to dominate the world during that time. So that, that's the point that Jesus is trying to make. So the world will continue on doing what it has been doing up until the point of the rapture of the church. And, and, and that's why I say, and they don't understand until the flood takes them all away. The flood of Noah's days here is being uh, emphasized in the sense as the tribulation. The tribulation period is here being characterized in the same way, similar way as the flood of Noah. 
What did the flood of Noah do? It judged that generation. What will be the function of the tribulation? One of the functions of the tribulation will be, and you'll see this in the book of Revelation. And just in case you guys didn't know it, I did a complete study on the full book of Revelation on this YouTube. So, so go check it out. I've already done it. And you can see all of the information concerning all of this. I've already done the whole book of Revelation. But the whole point of the tribulation is God judging this sinful world. So as the waters of Noah's flood was God's judgment on that generation, so will be all of the things that take place during the tribulation will be God's judgment upon that sinful generation. Okay. And so that's what Jesus is trying to say. Just like it was in Noah's day, what happened? Everybody was married, giving it to Mary. The world was continuing on up until what? The waters came. The world will be doing the same thing. Just what it's doing up, uh, up until the time of what? The rapture. And it will be after the rapture that will what? Follow the tribulation, the flood of Noah. Follow the judgment upon that generation. And they did not understand until that. Jesus said, so will also be the coming of the son of man. The rapture will also trigger these events and be an indication of the events that are to follow the flood, the tribulation. And that's why he said, what? It's just, there will be two men in the field, one taken, one would be left. Two women grinding at the meal, one taken, one will be left. This is so beautiful. Men in the field, women grinding. Men in the field, women grinding. Life going on as usual. People would just be living life. And what happened? Jesus said, remember his whole point. It will catch you unaware. Two men, people living life, all of a sudden rapture come, one taken, one left. The saints will be taken into heaven and escorted back with Jesus. And what? Those who are not saved will be left. Then that's the whole idea. And he just simply uh, 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 gives it in two inferences. Men feel women grinding. The idea is people doing life, going right back to what he says about the days of Noah. What will happen in the days of Noah? Life was going on as usual. Marrying, giving into marriage, up until the floods came. Noah was shut into that ark and the judgment came in. The people living lives up until what? The rapture of the church takes place and then what? One gone, and other folks left. One gone, other, other people are left. And then what? The judgment of the tribulation will begin. And so what was going on? In a nutshell, because I'm trying to bring it to an end, 36 begins a new mind, a new point. No longer talking about the coming of the kingdom, but a mysterious coming of Jesus, which we understand to be rapture of the church, the coming of Jesus in the air to take his saints back to heaven to escape the tribulation that's coming upon the earth. Okay. And all of this is simply Jesus is emphasizing, warning, warning, warning to his people. Why? Unlike the sign 
of Daniel that illustrates that Jesus come to set up the second kingdom. I'm sorry, to set up the kingdom. Unlike that sign of Daniel, there will be no sign for the rapture. Why? That's why he keeps talking about. You don't know. You don't know. You don't know. Just like they didn't know in the day of Noah, they didn't know. And now he's going to continue on with another parable, simply saying what you don't know. In other words, there will be no sign. The rapture will take place when there is no sign. It will just happen and catch people unaware. Unlike the second advent, when Jesus returned, there will be a sign. What? When you see the abomination spoken of by desolation, that's why I'm trying to emphasize to you guys two different things. First section, sign of his return in the second advent. Second section, the sign of his coming in the rapture. That sign, I'm sorry, the, the, the issue of his returning in the rapture to the which there will be no sign. So he continues on with that and we're going to finish it up. 42. Therefore, what? Be on the alert for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. No sign, no sign. Be sure, but be sure of this. Be sure of what, Lord? That if the head of the house had known at what time that of the night the thief was coming, he would have been on the alert and would not have allowed his house to be broken into. For this reason, you also must be ready. Why? For the son of man is coming at an hour which you do not think he will. Who then is the faithful and sensible slave whom his master put in charge of his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that slave whom his master finds so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you that he will put him in charge of all of his possessions. But if that evil slave says in his heart, my master is not coming for a long time and begins to beat his fellow slave, eat and drink with the drunkards, the master of that slave will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour which he does not know and will cut him in pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites in that place that would be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Okay, let's bring this final section to a close. I'm going to try not to rush it and, and skip over some important things. But anyway, Jesus is still emphasizing the need to be ready because there will be no sign of his coming in the rapture, unlike the sign of Daniel. Abomination of desolation. Since there is no sign for the rapture, you must be ready at any time. And so what did you say? Be on a, you don't know when the Lord is coming. What? He gives the parable about slaves, the head of the house. If he had known first, first parable head of the house, if the head of the house household steward had known if he had a indication of when the thief was coming to break in the house, he would have been ready. So when the thief had come, the thief would not have been able to break into the house. And Jesus simply saying, for if I had told you what to be ready for when I would come in the rapture, guess what? 
you'd be ready for when the rapture would come. The rapture would not catch anybody off guard, but that's the whole point of the rapture. It's going to come and catch people off guard, just like the householder had no idea the thief was coming at the time, right? That's why he says, for this reason, the son of man is coming at an hour you don't know, just like the, the householder's house was broken in at a time when which he did not expect it. So therefore what? Since Jesus is coming, at an unexpected time, he uses another parable to encourage us to be ready at all times. So he says, what? Who is then that good and faithful slave, good and sensible slave master has put in charge of his household? So he styles it off in this parable. A man has called his slave. Put him in charge. He's gave him his duties and his responsibility. Put him in charge of things and told him to be faithful. And so that slave remains faithful, not knowing when the master would come. So that whenever the master should show up, that slave could be found to be faithful, doing the things that the master told him to do, being faithful over the things that the master put him in charge of. Whenever the master should come, even if it, and we know the whole point of it is, it is a surprise. When he come, the slave is still prepared. But then he gave another example of a slave, one who began to think, Oh, my master isn't coming for a long time. He ain't coming yet. So what did he do? He began to act in an unfaithful manner, drinking and beating the slaves, being unfaithful. So what does Jesus say? The whole point of everything, the whole point of the rapture, the whole point of him speaking about his coming here is the master of that slave will come at an unexpected hour again and again and again to show you the distinction between the second advent there will be a sign that will show you this generation will not come this generation will not pass away until they see all this the sign of the second advent the second advent has a sign the rapture has no sign it comes unaware jesus comes and that's servant who was acting unfaithfully, he will judge that servant and give him a portion with the hypocrite. Why? Be okay. Okay. Slowing it down. This is nothing more than a picture of a person who pretended that they were saved. When, when the rapture comes, the rapture will show those who are truly saved and those who are truly not saved. Why? In the rapture, the saved will be taken away, gathered with Jesus, taken back into heaven, as I said to you, to wait out the tribulation period and then return with Jesus in the second advent and come back with Jesus. As Jude says, behold, the Lord returns with ten thousands of his saints to judge the world. OK, so the rapture takes away the true saints. But the hypocritical liars amongst us, the people who come to church who are not what they're supposed to be, the people who claim that they're saved, but God knows indeed they are not saved. 
This is that servant that Jesus is talking about. Why? Because he is not a true servant. He indeed is a hypocrite. And therefore Jesus appoints him what? A portion with the hypocrite. And what is that portion with hypocrites? A place where there be, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, which always is by the mouth of Jesus, the symbol of hell. Hypocrites will be sent to hell. Only true Christians will be caught in the rapture and no fake pretended Christian will be caught up in the rapture. They will be the ones left. Like Jesus said, one man will, will, will be in the field and taken. Another will be left. The fake Christian, another woman will be, will be grinding at the, will be taken while the other will be left grinding at the meal. The fake Christian will be left. Wow, that was long. But anyway, what is the whole point of chapter 24? We're beginning those prophetic teachings on the end time that Jesus is talking about. The disciples Concerned about what Jesus was saying at the end of chapter 23. What? You won't see me until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They want to soften things. They show Jesus the temple. It doesn't get better when they show Jesus the temple. He began to tell them, man, I tell you, this place is going to be destroyed. This is on their mind. Traveling, they ask Jesus, what will, when will all of these things be? Question one, what will be the sign? of your coming and the end of the age, the setting up of the kingdom. Jesus answers both of those questions. When will those things be? The time leading up unto the tribulation. And then finally, the time of the tribulation, the sign of your coming, even the great tribulation, the sign of Daniel, that which was spoken by Daniel the prophet, the desolation, the, the abomination that makes desolate, the desecration of the temple by the Antichrist. So Jesus answers their questions. And then for the end of chapter 24, he gives a new mystery to be prepared for he will come at a time when there is no sign. And this is referred to as the rapture of the church. And Jesus hammers and hammers the need to be ready to expect Jesus at an hour when you are not expected. Why? The world will be doing what it's always been doing, just like it was doing in the days of Noah and judgment came. So it will be at the time of the rapture. The world will be doing just what it's doing. All of a sudden, God takes his people out of here and he leaves those fake Christians and unsaved people here in the world to begin to suffer through the tribulation. How bad will it be? Those days will be worse than, as Jesus said, a tribulation that the world has never seen before. And so what does he do at the end? He warns and warns his people. He warns those who hear the gospel, just like I'm warning you today. Be ready for Jesus is coming at an hour you don't think that he's coming. The rapture is coming and none of us knows when it is coming. Be ready so you don't have to be left in this miserable world to suffer through the tribulation. Now, 
there is still a chance for you to be saved during the tribulation, but half of the world will die during this time. Many of the saints will be killed during this time. Why suffer these things if you can go and be with Jesus? All right, guys, that was long, but thanks for joining me with that lesson. Join me next time as we continue on with the prophetic teachings of Jesus in the same sense as Jesus is still what? Hammering the idea of being ready and hammering the idea of being prepared. And as he continues to talk about the end of the age in the judgment of the Gentiles. And by the way, those of those, those of you who have supported this ministry, once again, let me give you a heartfelt thank you. And for those of you who haven't, I pray the Lord touch your heart to support this ministry. If you find these teachings to be valuable, partner alongside of me and support. But anyway, see you next time as we get into chapter 25.